piece on the wide. So guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode. I will leave all relevant links uh, in the show notes of this episode so that you guys can find Tyler and Valerie, also their business crust club, and check out some of the things that they sell. With all that being said, I want to make sure that you guys do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show again. Share it to people if you feel like this is something that has benefited you. And like always, I will see you guys on the next episode. Okay, are you guys ready to rock and roll? Yes, we are. Yeah, ready. Okay, so just to get us kicked off here, if you guys just want to introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about you, what company you run, and then maybe a hobby, and then we'll get going from there. Want to take it away? So am I explaining for both of us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we are uh, Tyler and Valerie Kukihiko. So we're we're married, so we're business partners, and we're partners, partners in life, you know? <laughs> so pretty much everything together. So we are the owners of Crust Club. And uh, Crust Club is basically our mantra or our tagline is dinner and dessert at your doorstep. So yeah. if you're hungry and you want something delivered to you, uh, most of the meals are like family meals that are like a take and bake, or in our case, yeah. a deliver and bake. And then most of the uh, uh, desserts are ready to eat. And so we just want to make the ultimate convenience. And we'll get into the story about how it started. Yeah. But cool. uh, that's where we are. Yeah, and I was, uh, like I mentioned before, I looked at the website, and you guys have the graphic of kind of making the food. And I mean, I was going to ask after, like, I was going to buy some of this stuff because it looks so good. <laughs> but. And let's see. So <clears throat> the next thing I wanted to ask to get off on the right foot as well is just a random question. I feel like it just makes things light and fun, right? So the one that I feel like was applicable for both of you was uh, just describing what the best date was that was the cheapest or free. So that we went on, that yes, we did together? Both of you guys. The best date that was the cheapest or free or that was completely free. That's going to go back in time. I feel like we're like, <laughs> we've changed so I have much. one that I can think of. She probably hated it. I always <laughs> thought of. So, true story, I'm pretty cheap by nature, and she's yeah. changed me to not being quite as I'm cheap. I'm not quite she's, so oh, cheap. She's <laughs> civilized me. Yeah. So, um, I remember one day we had, there's this old movie, this old uh, kind of scary movie that M. Night Shyamalan movie called The Village. Have you ever seen The Village? No? Okay. I I've came out when we in college. Yeah. Anyway, so I was like, man, what should we go do? So I took her up. So we went up to like above Rock Canyon Park out on our own. And I got like blankets and I got like extension cords. And I set up a movie <laughs> like out in the middle of nowhere to watch the village by ourselves. And I don't know if I was trying to scare her or me or what. But <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. And I think she was looking at this going, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? I remember it vaguely. But yeah, I remember I don't like scary movies. No. So I don't think you were no, going for the right audience. <laughs> so it was fun, and it was free. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so to get us uh, into the story of Cross Club here, Valerie, it was your idea, mm -hmm. if I can remember right, initially. Mm -hmm. And then Tyler came on about a year afterward. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Full time, yeah. Full time. Full -time. He was always yeah. involved from the beginning. Okay. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So going back to the very beginning, when you decided to start and you thought this was a good idea mm -hmm. what made you think that it was something that you wanted to pursue like what were a couple of things that you were like oh man this could be a business 
Well, I've always wanted to do something. I've tinkered, like, ever since we were married, I tinkered in a lot of different things. Like, I was at home with my kids and my mind just wouldn't stop. And so, um, the reason why this one stuck was um, I had done a lot of things with recipes up until that point, like recipe blogs and things like yeah. that. But this one was different because um, I had this one recipe. It's our original chicken pot pie. That's our mm -hmm. most popular product still to this day. And it kept coming to my mind. It was on a recipe blog. I posted it and I kept thinking about it and I couldn't stop thinking about that. I'm like, I need to do something with it and I need to take that recipe off and not share it with everyone. I need to like share it by actually making it and getting yeah. it and you know, having people um, have the real food. And so I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to try it. And um, I just started doing it out of my house and making things. And I just started an Instagram account. And this is when Instagram was kind of new. And um, I would have strangers and people and neighbors and family coming to my house oh, to wow. buy these things. And it just started getting traction all on its own. And I was like, okay, this is, and Tyler saw it as well. And we're like, this could actually be something. Yeah. And we realized, you know, with food, everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs That's dinner. True. It's never going to go away. Yeah, exactly. And I know I never wanted to do a restaurant. I had no desire to do a restaurant. But this was a way to still get food out there and give it to people. And, you know, everyone's getting busier and busier. And so this is the perfect way for people to still, like, eat food that feels like mom made it, even yeah. though mom didn't make it, you know. So that's kind of where I just knew it was going to work out because people wanted it. Yeah. Who was the first person that bought the very first? Was it a chicken pot pie that was, like, the very first thing that you ever sold? Gosh. When you were like, this is the business. Do you remember? I have the worst memory out of everyone. <laughs> I always have to ask Tyler, what remember my life for me? Um, was it was it the chicken pot pie? That yeah. was probably the first one. And I also did some of our um, our little baby pies. It's our handheld dessert pies. Yeah. I think I did the lemon cream was mm -hmm. one of the first ones too. It Those was, were like yeah. yeah. So I think it was the neighbors. I think mostly there were some neighbors she messaged and so yeah. I can think of several. I don't know who the first was, but several of them who came by many yeah times. I think I might have just sent a message out to the neighborhood going hey I have these and yeah. yeah so from there how did you grow people that were interested in buying food that you were making when you found out that you had people friends that wanted to buy it they yeah. loved it like what was your next plan of action mm -hmm. to just grow customer base well um we kind of hit Instagram at a really really good time there was no yeah. algorithm there was none of this stuff then and so <laughs> yeah. people um, it just slowly spread. I had like, just kind of like talk a little bit. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. And so I would ask like, um, just like family members and friends and be like, Hey, would you share this on your thing and tell people yeah. about it? And then, um, once we first opened this location, uh, Liesl, she's like one of our partners that we, she's worked with us since the beginning. Like out of my house, she's a friend and she's been along for the ride. She and I would go out and like, we literally would go places. We would mess it. We like post on Instagram. Be like, let us know if you want something, and we'll come drop it by to your office for free. Yeah. And so we went to like offices. We went to BYU campus. We went all over just delivering <laughs> things to anyone who would like say, hey, we were interested, yeah. just to try to get the word out. Cool. So yeah. Yeah, I think what what I saw really successful. The when I saw it growing just out of the house and realized that there were a lot of repeat customers is when I saw that it's a really good product, so there may be some real potential with this because the product has yeah. to be great, and it was. Yeah. Cool. So the, the next checkpoint after 
he felt like people, not just neighbors or friends, were buying this red. What was the next big checkpoint that you ran into and you tackled? Like, describe whatever you think it was that was, mon like, not monumental, but you feel like was a big point that exponentiated the growth. Do you know when that was after you started selling to people you didn't really know? I don't know. What do you think? Well, it was, um, that's an interesting question. We didn't really have. Anything yeah, crazy. yeah. As far as the exponential growth, I, I'd say that the turning point was well when she realized when we sat down and said, "Okay, this looks like it, yeah. there's some real potential with it." Is when I got involved and said, "Do you do you really want to do a real business with this rather yeah. than I'm just going to sell it out of the home?" And so that's when we started making plans for finding a location, building out a kitchen, and then building out a business model that was different than just a traditional you know pie shop. We wanted yeah. to run an online business. We wanted to utilize technology. We wanted to be able to scale it and grow it. And so at that point is when we said, well, Instagram is, is gives us the ability to reach more people in with less money than ever before. So let's ride that wave. And then e-commerce is really rising and we can sell through the website and we can deliver to people. So let's utilize the technology that we have at our fingertips and grow it in a non-traditional way. And so yeah. that, it didn't grow exponentially, but when we started it, there was pretty that was rapid growth. Next yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what would you say, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you guys know the differences between like the type of business you run now and then like a software business. What would you say are like the key or the biggest differences that people should focus on if they're gonna be running something that deals with food? Like what, what, what are like those things, like two, three, what the most important things that you feel like people should know? <laughs> oh man. Do you know that? Do you have an answer to that? Uh, I have an idea. Yeah, go for it. Cause my mind well, is know, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it's, it's really, um, so number one, you gotta have a great product. Don't kid yourself. Sure. Don't, you have to know that you have a great product and, uh, and that only comes from feedback. So your mom's yeah. not going to be good feedback. Your brother, or your sister, it has to be people who don't know you if they love your product. It's people who are actually paying you, giving you um, money. And yeah. repeat, repeating. So if you have somebody who buys one time, if you have a lot of people buying once, you're great at marketing. Uh, if you have a lot of people buying once, you're also really bad at making a good product. Hmm. If it's consumable, like food, yeah. gotta have repeat. So that's obvious, has to be a great product, everybody knows that. But I think when it comes to the food industry, you have to know your costs. And you better know your costs frontwards and backwards. So you'll be out of business within a month, literally within a month. And you look up and down and State Street is littered with businesses, restaurants, bakeries that go out of business in 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah. They don't know their numbers. They know how to make food. They don't know their numbers. And the only reason why we're in business is because we understand our food costs and we understand what we can charge our customers. So that's, that is paramount. If you don't understand that, it's not a business, it's a hobby. And it's a hobby that will turn into a big nightmare for you pretty fast. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's a few others. That that's the main one, and the other, of course, is labor. It's just those two numbers. If you can control your labor costs and your food costs and your pricing are right, um, and you have a great product, all the other things you can work through, and that's yeah. what we've been able to do. But you don't understand those, and like I said, you're immediately you're under. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're growing, right, you're selling more products, and you have to get the flour, just a bunch of different stuff, right, sourced. What would you say is, what would you say are, or were the hardest things to find just ways to get that 
material or that food, right? Like, like, did it take a lot of work? Was it easy? Like, kind of describe how it was in your experience finding ways to just get the food you need to make. Because, I mean, obviously you were probably just cooking for neighbors in the mm-hmm. beginning, and then now you have to sell like two hundred thousand pies, and you're like, I gotta have pounds and pounds food, of chicken. Yeah. Like, <laughs> was it hard to get that stuff solidified, or was it easy? Like, describe for people that wouldn't know, like how that is, like. Well, when we started, I was just buying everything from Costco, what I was doing out of my house. And then when we first opened up this location, Tyler started contacting food distributors, yeah. and he got it all set up. So I'll let you explain yeah. the process. He <laughs> yeah. did it all. Yeah, so there's just there's food distributors who are set up to do that very thing. So they warehouse yeah. all of the raw goods, and then just deliver them to your business. And so you negotiate pricing with them. And yeah. And that's what they do. They charge a markup on those, but we order in bulk, and so we get a better price than we would like at a grocery store. But the real convenience is they just deliver to you on demand, pretty much. Yeah. And so um, we set it up pretty quick. It wasn't Not super. It wasn't super difficult. Uh, we had a great rep who we worked with to start out, and had we not had him, it would have been a lot more difficult. So yeah. And is there? I mean, food is so nitpicky up like with how you want things to taste. Is there people that sell a specific type of like? chicken or flour do you have to like really work hard to find what you want your taste to be or do you bring it in here and then you kind of add spices or like how does that work with getting the flavor that you want it to be when you actually sell well i just make it taste like i make it at home and so Mm -hmm. i just use the same ingredients these all of our products are recipes that i've put together i mean i've had help from like our team members and stuff but it's just literally stuff that I would make at home and so I'm just we're just getting the same kind of ingredients that I would buy at the grocery store yeah so yeah and what would you say <clears throat> with what you know in entrepreneurship and business is the most critical attribute that a young entrepreneur can learn if he's just interested in getting into business like what would what would be that one word that you would say would make them the most successful and they should focus on I would say humility. I don't know. What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, humility, naivety, probably, right? You don't want to know. You, you don't want to know what you don't know, you know? Uh, yeah. It's, you go through, you go through a lot. Um, I don't know if there's one word. My, from, from a business standpoint, um, I love, uh, like, the Lean Startup, if you've read that. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Having an MVP, having a minimum viable product. You know, people always would ask me, this is crazy, why are you doing this? And it is pretty crazy to leave, you know, I had a previous profession, I said, I'm gonna jump all in and do this. But Valerie built a minimum viable product. What that means is she used the kitchen she already had, ingredients that she already could get from the store to make a product to see if people wanted it. She didn't have to put in a huge investment. And you don't wanna put in a huge investment to figure out whether or not somebody wants a product. You wanna put in the least amount of time effort and investment validated. to see if somebody wants you have to validate it and she validated that in a big way and I was like people love this and they're coming again and again so this was a leap of faith but it wasn't a leap of blind faith it was people want it how can we best get it to them and figure out all those details so the minimum viable product if you're gonna start please you have to do that find out if people want it first and don't get romantic about your idea before people buy it it's true I've heard it a lot on the show, sure, yeah. and I believe it 100%. Um, so moving forward, you're at the point you're at now, right? Like, 
what what are your goals in the very end? Like, where would you want Crest Club to be optimally? Like, what does that look like? Well, we are in the process of building our first drive-through, and it'll be open in a few months. Mm-hmm. And so my goal, our goal, is to have Crest Club dot the country and just have them in every state. People, you know, kind of like the big names like Chick-fil-A or, you know, just have them everywhere and just make it as easy and convenient as possible. We have people every day all over the country asking us, when are you going to get to us? And we're like, we want to. It's just we got (laughs) to – we're going to do a slow grow and do it right. So Yeah, people – I mean – what I've heard multiple times is if you grow too fast, then it's kind of shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. Mm-hmm. You just get overwhelmed with too much to deal with on the back end, trying to grow so fast. But I guess it just depends on the person and the business owner, how they want to do it. But from what I've seen and heard, that's always something that comes up is we're like, we don't want to grow too fast. Mm-hmm. So well, we've kind of stepped into that trap in the past with yeah. trying to grow too fast. We, yeah. um, was it year two? Yeah. We decided to launch nationwide shipping, and uh, it failed spectacularly, um, just because we put our trust into other companies to help us with this instead of yeah. relying on our own abilities, and it just was a huge disaster, and we barely survived that. But the reason why we got into that is because we're like, oh, we see all of this potential. We can get to all these people instead of just being like, no, stay the course and grow slow and steady. Um, yeah. That's kind of how we got into that. So, yeah. Hmm. So, talking about employees now, what would you say for someone that doesn't know how to manage employees, bring on the right person? Like, what's like an optimal way that, or just something that they can think about to know that they're doing it right? Because there's something that you would say to a younger entrepreneur. Like, what would you tell them to do to make it work? Is there something that you would So, as far as hiring, and hiring and managing. And managing, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I feel like it, it's taken us a while to yeah. figure it out. Well, if, if you figure it out, you can tell me because it's. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're at a better spot than we ever yeah. have been, and I think it's because we finally have figured out who we are as a company and our culture, and yeah. what works for us and what doesn't work for us, and so we've really tried to build like a family culture. Yeah. Um, I'll let you take it away. Oh, no, I'm no, sorry. No, right. no, no. finish. It's I'll all yours. No. no, it's all yours. Well, the, um, so we found that, and I think this is the case, but we've really seen it here, is the culture of the company, it takes on the, the values and the culture of the owners. It's really. It's, uh, so we have to set the tone. Whether we know we're doing it or not, we're setting the tone. And so we better be really clear about what tone we're trying to set, what culture we're trying to set. And I won't get into what our culture is, but my philosophy when it comes to hiring is that we hire for character and we, we treat, teach for skill. So almost anyone can learn the skills that we have. Not everyone has the character to work at our company um, and shares the values that we share. And if they don't, it's not that they're bad, it's just that they don't belong at our company. And we find out as quickly as we can whether or not somebody has the character or the values to work with us. And if we can do that, they can be taught the skills. And so that's really the, the biggest thing for us. I want to interview somebody and I don't want to interview a piece of paper. I want to know who they are. And then in the next few weeks, find out if they have the right stuff. Sure. Yeah, and I feel like, and we're not perfect at this. We're trying to get better, but yeah. we always want to put our um, our customers first and our people. And so we're always, we want to improve everyone's quality of life. And if pe- we're not doing that, then we're 
failing. Yeah. So we want people to come to work and feel like they're getting value and not just, I'm just getting a paycheck. Yeah. So it comes up a lot, I feel like on any entrepreneurial show is kind of the work-life balance between running a business and, and trying to look at things or, or deal with things in your own personal lives, right? Like families. So because you guys have been doing this for years now, like what would you say is the optimal way to balance that? And you don't need to answer that because I know it's kind of impossible, but it's always a work in progress. But what would you recommend though? Like what do you see that has worked or working for you? Like, cause I mean, there's some days I'm sure you guys have worked 10 plus hours and it's more of a business week that week and more life week. Like, is there a way to op like balance it optimally or what would you say? To I have that? some thoughts, but you go first. No, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, I think that it's a fallacy to believe that you can balance everything that you have. That balance doesn't really exist uh, because, and I don't know how to explain that properly, because it's like this, there may be some, oh, well, there's two, there's two things I believe. Number one is I try to do this and I fail at it all the time. That, you know, I've got home responsibilities, I have work responsibilities, I have church responsibilities, we all have our responsibilities. If I'm at work, I need to be at work. If I'm at home, I need to be at home. You know, if I'm serving someone, I need to be serving them. I need yeah. to focus where I am. I need to be there all the time. And we do a poor job of that, but we're trying to do the best we can. The better you can do that, the better things will work out. That's number one. Number two is some weeks, my wife and my kids may need me a lot more. And it, it just, that's the case. And so I may have a lot less time at work. And then there may, may be other weeks where I'm working 80 hours and my kids are going to hardly see me or not see me at all. And you don't want that to drag on forever, but you need to do what's necessary. And sometimes it's necessary to say, hey, I need to have time with my kids. And sometimes it's necessary for work. So there's not a balance there because you're kind of just feeling whatever is the most pressing thing. In the moment. Yeah, you know, and um, what do you think? I think you said it well. Yeah, yeah. It's always, we are always making a plan of how we're going to do things. And then a month or a few weeks yeah. later, it's like, let's make a new game plan. It's just always changing. So yeah. just whatever is needed in the moment. That's true. Yeah. Entrepreneurship looks like that for sure. You never know what's going to come the next day. Oh, no, yeah. you never. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about kind of the hardships that you guys have seen just going along the journey of growing the business. You talked about how uh, nationwide shipping was one of the things that was pretty tough, right? Mm -hmm. And across the board, people have seen tough things in any business as an entrepreneur, like it just happens. So when that did occur, assuming that that was just one of the things that was really uh, just faulty, didn't work, like after it did happen, what were your goals moving forward on how you can just fix that, get back to where you need to be on track? What were you thinking about in that moment when you knew that it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. How'd you move forward from that? What were some things that you were focusing on? Um, wow, that's a loaded question. That is, that is <laughs> good. it's a good question, yeah. but yeah. yeah, what pulls you out of that? Yeah, like what were you focusing on? Like where, like how did you get yourself out in the business personally? Yeah. Like what were the things that you were thinking about? Well, I feel like that was one of the hardest times in my entire life and it's kind of like, why are we doing this? Yeah. But at the same time, I never, like, the thought of quitting was worse. 
and I never was like, we're going to quit and we're going to give up. Even though I wanted, like, I was like, I just want to give up. I just want to be done. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I would never quit and not follow this through. And so I think it was just that attitude and that just that desire to just see this through to the end and make sure that we never fail. And so I think that's what pulled us, pulled me out of it. And yeah. just was like, we just got to do what it takes. We're just not going to stop. Yeah. You know, we had, um, when that happened, I won't get into the details of it, but part of the reason why that was so hard is because the, the a, another company that we had, a third party that we had made an agreement with to do shipping for us, didn't live up to their portion. And essentially, I had, we had a decision. Do we want to litigate this or do we want to cut our losses and move forward? And we made the decision, we need this business to live and litigation is death. And so we said, we're gonna cut our losses, we're gonna take our debts, we're gonna move forward, and we're gonna figure this out. And it took us a long time, because it was, yeah. the, it was the toughest thing we've ever had to do. But we focused on a couple things. One is, as long as we're doing what we believe is the right thing to do, things are gonna work out. And I know that sounds like some metaphysical thing, yeah. it's a reality, it's just reality. We always said, if we're doing the right thing, yeah, then it will work out. Whether it's in a month, or a year, or two years, it will. And it did. And it took years to work out, but it has. And we can look back and say, we confidently made all the right decisions. As far as what is right and wrong, we made the right decisions, right? Yeah. And, um, and that's what pulled us out. It was really that simple. Yeah. The second one I'd say is with our customers, we made a commitment to say, whatever we do, let's focus on what is best for the customers. Because they're the ones who are gonna pull our company forward. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so simple. It was really hard for a while, because we yeah. kept thinking about us. What do we yeah. need? And you have to turn around and say, what does the customer need specifically? Yeah. And when we started doing that, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, here we go. So cool. Yep. And you said in the beginning that you utilize technology just for sale and growing the business. So starting uh, at the point when you decided to implement technology just to help sales and growth, was that something that you did in particular, both you guys did simultaneously, like, was it hard to implement technology for sales, like automating shipping when like someone orders, then you just have someone go out and ship? Like, just describe the process yeah. of like implementing the technology. What you'd say were the hard things, maybe not so hard things. Yeah. This is all you. This was all of Tyler's. <laughs> I focus more on the. I do the recipes and yeah. I'm on Instagram, and Tyler yeah. does all the behind the scenes. <laughs> brain damage, brain so. damage yeah. <laughs> well it really is that you just have to go through the brain damage so really? if you need you know if you need a software program it exists you just got to find it you know if you need yeah. like the packaging that we use to deliver uh, to people's yeah. homes and refrigerated packaging on your porch that was an idea we had because our neighbor was never home and we kept trying to sync up and give her her package her pie and it's like she's never here and so yeah <laughs> you know and so we're like so and we're like that'd be sure nice if we just leave it on the porch and like some kind of refrigerated container but it doesn't exist I'm like well then let's create it so we had to create it mm -hmm. so I searched the planet literally for some kind of packaging that would work so it was just hours and hours and hours yeah. of brain damage and testing and testing until you figure it out and that's really what it is it, there's nothing genius about it it's like do you do you have the mental and physical capacity to see this thing yeah. to the end and, and we did because we're passionate about it we felt like we wanted to do it and your model is, do you guys have a subscription base where people can just consistently buy and you have stuff going 
into their houses. Do you guys have that implemented as well? That's how we started, and we got rid of it. Really? Yeah. yeah. We just felt like, um, just going back to getting the customer what they want, we feel like so yeah. many people are kind of getting, uh, it's just oversaturated with subscriptions right now, and yeah. people are like, when people would say all the time, I'm so sick of another subscription, you know? And so we decided, what does the customer want? They don't want a subscription, and they want their food delivered for free. And so that's what we did, and it works like magic. <laughs> yeah, one thing really interesting I need to say about that is everyone told us to not kill the subscription. They said it'd be suicide. I mean, everybody told us that. And, I, and we just said, no, it's what the customer wants. And what's interesting is our order value increased significantly once we started mm -hmm. offering free delivery. Because you'd think, well, if somebody can get delivered for free, they'll just order maybe one or two items or yeah. just small. It increased. They paid us back big time because we have this relationship where it's like, we're going to give you the best product and service possible and we'll see what happens. And it's a great relationship if you give them what they want. So a lot of this is based on knowing the customer. So I want to dive into that a little bit more. When uh, you're just going throughout the process of building the business, were you doing specific things to learn about what people wanted the most like were you going to people's houses and sitting them down and trying to understand their personality their like everything about them so you know what would be easiest for them like how did you guys end up figuring that out so that you can work around it and then, that's well, all about two things one is our customer is me and so i made what i would like and that's what we sold and um the other thing is if we put something out there and people didn't like it or people said something, then we killed that product and we just would put out ones that sold. Yeah. And so that's how we came to find out what people want. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, ask questions and do polls. And it's interesting. Um, I always like to tell this story because we have these friends who did a poll on Instagram and said, we have this new product. Would you guys like it? And everyone was like, yes, we want it so much. And that's what the voice of the people said. And so they launched it and nobody bought it. And so for me, my customer, our customer tells us what they want with their wallet. And so yeah. when I see that sales are going really well on something, it's like, okay, this works, this is what they want, and how can we find things that are like this? And a lot of our products that do really well are things that are very much like, things that are familiar. Like we have a chicken enchilada, People love it. It was just a really basic recipe that I had, and I was like, you know what? I love it. Let's just see if they like it, and it's become one of our most popular products. And so, it's that familiarity of that's those are the products that are really the most popular on our website. Yeah. So, it's just, you bring up a really good point. People will think differently with their wallets mm -hmm. and not their brains, mm -hmm. which is so true. So, yeah. I think that's really interesting to think about. You'll see a question about like, is this something that you would use. And uh -huh. I feel like it's almost biased just asking that question. Like people are just trained to like it and give you good feedback. Yeah. yeah. But um, going along with that, how important would you say um, is knowing the customer one to 10 and why? Uh, 10, what did you say? Knowing the customer? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the first thing that anyone should think about? Like if they're at square one, when should they think about it the most when growing a business, do you think? At all times, specific times? Um, I don't know. Um, I, 
I don't know. That's tough. I kind of look at it differently, I guess. Yeah. My, my deal is you... Uh, I guess I don't want to say this. What we focus on is um, just value. Is what, what do people value? How are we creating the greatest value for, uh, for individuals? And I guess that is having to know what the greatest value is for our customer is critical. To say what did they value, like, what do, if, like in Valerie's case, what does she value the most? And the more value you can provide to them, the more they'll pay you. The more yeah. And the more frequently they'll pay you back. And so, yeah. yeah, knowing your customer, I'd say it's a 10. It's critical. You always have to have your finger on that pulse. Well, I think what you said earlier, you know, don't get romantic about what you think is great because yeah. it's like you can get stuck on being like, no, this is what, this is so great. I have this amazing idea. Everyone's going to love it. And they could care less about it. You just really need to know, no, what do they want? Because yeah. that's what's going to be most important. Yes, exactly. It, yeah. It's not your product. Like you may be the business owner, but it's not our product. It's their products. You're building for them. Yeah. And you for, it's really hard um, to remember that all the time when, you, when yeah. it's your baby, right? But it's not your baby. It's like theirs. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's like it is kind of, but not really. Yeah. But um, the next question that I thought of is really a lot of entrepreneurs are just creative. Like they have a lot of ideas, right? Like like you were saying, the refrigeration for packaging, so that it doesn't matter how long they're gone. Like it'll be there, and you know, food will be good for days. Um, is there a like a happy medium between a creative entrepreneur and someone who just knows the right path. Like they see something that would work and they just have this idea, that idea, this could make it grow better, this could make it grow this way, which makes it get better. Or is it better to know for a fact something and move forward and be like, this is gonna work, whatever happens, I'm just gonna continue along that path. So those two different paths, what would you say is a better one or just kind of a happy medium that people should focus on? What would you say there? You want to answer that? No, go for it. Do you know what I'm going to say? Go for it. No, you, you go. No, no, I want to hear what <laughs> okay. you have to say. Um, yeah, I need to keep these answers short because I'm, I'm very long-winded. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, first of all, you need to understand who you are and what your strengths are. Okay. Example, Valerie is very intuitive. She understands things very quickly and she can make decisions very quickly. I am not intuitive. I have to fill all my data points. So I have to look at an option and say, okay, I filled all these data points because I filled them on now. I think this is the right decision because of that. And so you need to know who you are. And yeah. um, I don't make good intuitive decisions like she does. Now, because I have a lot of years of experience doing this, it's not that I'm more intuitive. It's that I've already filled in 99 out of the 100 data points. So I can make decisions really quick now because I've already filled all 99. I've seen all this. I've been burned, let's say, 99 times, so I know that this is the one where I'm not gonna be burned. Whereas she just kind of intuitively knows where to go. So we work really well with each other because every idea to me is a great, great idea and I wanna move forward with it. And one out of 100 ideas is the good idea to her. And so she'll keep me in check by saying, okay, I love your ideas. This one idea I think is good, all the other ones are garbage. So she keeps us on the rails, but I keep us moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm always pushing forward and she's keeping us on. And so we really have a great relationship like that because, <laughs> um, and 
it's really hard to have the same brain. That's why you need to have a business partner yeah. to really be successful and somebody who compliments you. We just happen to be married as well and be business partners, so it works out. Cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, build on your strengths a yeah. little bit and then fill the gaps with what you feel like is lacking yeah. with someone else. Cool. Uh, so to finish up, if you guys just want to shoot out any places where we can visit you, and then after that we'll say goodbye. Okay. Yeah, we're just Crest Club. So CrestClub.com is our website where you can order. And then we're Crest Club on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for doing this again. It was good to meet you both. Yeah, and Special and present of the fighters. So guys, welcome back to the show. For this episode, I brought on Tyler and Valerie Kukahiku. They are the owners of Crust Club. And in this episode, what we talk about is their journey with the business and a little bit about what entrepreneurs should be thinking of when they're first getting into entrepreneurship and business, what they'd recommend, uh, and just basically their viewpoints on business and how to do it right. So with all that being said, don't forget to subscribe, share the show with some friends um, in a group chat, um, and I hope that you guys enjoy this one.